Welcome to Investor Insights, the wealth management podcast where we address investor needs, help you enhance your financial situation, and explore all parts of a person's financial life. And now, the host of Investor Insights, Mike Williams. Hello there. Good morning and welcome again to Investor Insights. It's Mike Williams from Genesis. And uh, today we're going to call this Lost in the Forest. And what do we mean by that? Well, you're probably chuckling as you listen because I'm sure you probably know what we mean by that. You know, press has a way of making us think certain things. Um, in case you doubt me, I'd like to uh, sort of give us a little bit of short-term past recollection. Uh, today, we fret over China. Every number that comes out of China, we're afraid of it. Um, if it's not a certain thing that the experts tell us should, it should be, uh, then we think something horrible is wrong. Remember, remember, this is the very same experts that you're relying on and now believing that uh, didn't see the slowdown coming. We've been talking about fake numbers coming out of China for years. Uh, often people don't remember that uh, it's still a communist country. Um, I, I think one has to attest to the idea that our accounting standards are probably a little bit different than theirs. Uh, that being said, uh, we have gotten lost in the forest. Uh, every day is a China event. Now, I want you to remember that just two months ago, it was not China. In fact, China wasn't even on our radar. What was covering our windshield of concern every day was Greece. Remember, Greece was going to collapse the world as we know it uh, because nobody knew whether they were going to get thrown out of the Eurozone or not, whether they were going to pay their debt or not, whether their entire GDP was going to vanish or not, and how many countries would be taken down with them. Uh, that was months uh, of, of focus and fear and trepidation. Uh, right before that, uh, it was bird flu. And strangely enough, the bird flu concern took place right around flu season, oddly enough. Uh, here's the news. Uh, birds get flus, just like people, I suppose, uh, and they have a season to get those things. Uh, my suspicion is it will continue. Um, and then right before bird flu, you may recall this. Uh, it was uh, towards the end of the 2014, and every hour we awaited news on the one Ebola patient that arrived, had arrived in the United States. The one Ebola patient. Not hundreds, not thousands, not even tens of thousands, just one. Uh, that was a cutting-edge story. There were interruptions during regular broadcasts. There were constant headlines on websites. There were boxes popping up on updates on the health of the one Ebola patient. So if we feel like uh, we have become kids, children, shuddering at every single headline, we would be correct. Um, the media process we live with today is causing way too many to fear too much. 
Uh, look, it's easy to recite the headlines. We hear them so often. I mean, look, we, we know we've got a subpar recovery, right? Everybody knows that. Uh, we know the consumer class is debt-laden. They're, they're suffocating, right? We, we know we have a terrible jobs market. Uh, just one little clue there. We've never had this many people working in the United States. But that, that being said, um, you can slice and dice this data however you want. I can terrify you or I can make you feel positive. The choice is always ours. Of course, we've heard the Fed's in a jam. I mean, we heard that every millisecond last week as they came to their conclusion of not raising rates by one quarter of one percent. Now, I could do a whole podcast on interest rates, but believe me, we still stand by the ideas we've shared at the start of this year, and that is raise rates already. You'll build confidence by raising rates. You keep rates down too long, and starts working against you. We've heard there's global imbalances. I mean, every day we hear crisis, we hear crash, we hear collapse. Uh, I, I call them the three C's. Uh, every headline these days some, somehow relates to a crisis of some sort. Uh, it used to be we didn't call these things crisis, we just called them things, or hey, something happened, or you're not going to believe it, but today was like a lot of other days. Of course, we know there's debt for as far as the eye can see, right? Uh, here's the sad part. Here's the very sad part of this process. This, this media, this constant fear-driven, fear-mongering, attention-getting, spine-tingling stuff has created this thought in the crowd again. The crowd again believes Here's the five worst words ever created in investing. It's never been this bad. Hmm. So I guess you're probably wondering, is there any good news? Well, look, far from the spotlight of the headlines, and that is a maddening spotlight, and it's hard to fight sometimes. Believe me, we're all human. It's very hard, uh, even myself. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, we, we find it difficult to fend our minds away from this garbage. But the answer is yes, uh, there is good news. And I'm going to highlight a few of those things now. You, if, if you've listened to a lot of our other podcasts, you know we talk about the psychology of the crowd. Um, let's understand why we talk about the psychology of the crowd. It's because markets are people. Markets aren't just financial information. A market is not something you can pick up and move somewhere. It's not a uh, noun. It's an action. It's, a, it's actually an interaction of people. It is electronic impulses thriving through our brains about something we just read, heard, saw, or digested in some manner. And then we make a decision. We decide to buy or sell and we hit a button or we call a broker and they hit a button or we type our website and hit a, another button or whatever we do, we make a decision to act, okay, on an electronic thought, right, of some piece of data. So it's that interaction that creates a number at the end of the day. And that's what we call the market. So why do we follow sentiment? Well, because the public has a crappy history of being right about the future. When they feel great, 
uh, and advisors feel great and Wall Street feels great and money is flooding into the market, boy, you know, you can kind of guess that trouble might be around the corner. Uh, and vice versa, if they're running out for the hills, if they're selling all their stuff, if advisors are scared, if Wall Street's scared, if buy-side analysts are scared, if mutual fund managers are liquidating, if cash levels are hitting record highs, well, that's not the sign of a crowd or investor mass that feels good about the market. And that's usually a good sign, okay, for value investors, for long-term investors. Now, look, if you're listening and you're worried about next week or next hour or next month, this podcast is never going to really help you. In fact, none of these podcasts will. We are long-term investors. We try to teach over our careers investors how to understand that the long-term is the vital element. Uh, uh, we've mentioned it before, but it bears mentioning again. Uh, Warren Buffett once stated about the markets, in the short term, they're a voting machine, meaning you can push that button anytime you want. In the long term, they're a weighing machine, meaning good companies over time tend to move up in value. Okay? So what about the good news? We talked about sentiment. Look, bullish advisors are at their lowest percentile in years. Okay, years, I mean five years. Bearish advisors are at their highest percentile in four years. Okay, so you're getting an intersection of deep concern. And when advisors are concerned, they tell their clients to be concerned. And what do we know about clients being concerned? Well, we can watch various surveys. And the latest AAII shows us back at levels seen in March of 2009. Now, I realize we've had a clip off the top of the highs we saw in the summer, just as we expected, by the way, if you listen to some of our other our podcasts. The summer swoon did clip 10% from the market. That's a good thing long term. But what's interesting is we are still almost 10,000 points higher than where we were in March of 2009, and yet the crowd's sentiment survey shows them as afraid as they were then. Pretty staggering. How do we know they're afraid? Well, they usually vote with their feet, uh, and in the last two weeks, we have seen readings from equity mutual fund outflows showing days that are setting record highs. In other words, let me give you a sense. On August 25th, uh, which right now is the low day, on August 25th, we had uh, an amount of money flow out of mutual funds that was equal to the amount of money, which at the time was a record, uh, the amount of money that flowed out of mutual funds when Lehman Brothers collapsed, the market collapsed, and we were moving into the worst part of the 08-09 stock market retreat. So again, thousands of points ago, and yet they're just as afraid as they are now. Here's a staggering part. The sell side guys, the guys who sell stocks to institutions on Wall Street, the sell side analysts are bearish. Okay, They're bearish. In fact, the reading on their current data takes them all the way back to 1985. Listen to that for a second. They're as bearish now as they were in 1985. 
something like 14,000 points ago. So think about that for a second. Just realize that we're getting this cross uh, this, this cross section of everybody, every channel is afraid. The public's afraid. Mutual fund guys are afraid. Even the managers of mutual funds have their highest level of cash, meaning uninvested money, highest level of cash ever. Okay? Think about that for a second. That means they surpassed the amount of cash they had at the end of the tech bubble. They surpassed the amount of cash at the end of the 0809 collapse, which, by the way, were both records in their own time. We've now passed that. So get a sense of this broadening view of this terrible trepidation about the future. The good news for us is that long-term investors can recognize that all those times I'm mentioning in the past were not the end of the world. Indeed, they were incredible opportunities for long-term investors. Incredible. So, listen, while all this fear and angst is erupting under the surface, all of it, the corporate insiders, the guys who run the companies that we're running from, or their stocks from which we are running, are at very bullish levels. Bullish levels seen multiple times in history when they were good buying opportunities. Now that doesn't mean you run out and do something. It means you sit down with your advisor, you calmly review events, you make sure your short-term items are taken care of because that shouldn't be in the stock market anyway, and then you consider taking advantage of this fear. Like Warren Buffett once said, don't let the folly of the stock market hurt you. Use it to your advantage. Participate in it on the upside. So look, while everyone frets over China, what about the United States? How are we doing? Good news is this. The Q2 data just rolled out from the Fed, and guess what? Household balance sheets are better than you might realize. In fact, real household net worth is at a new record all-time high. I want you to realize something. All-time high, meaning it surpassed the 2006-07 high right before the collapse that was going to end the world, we're at new all-time highs. And not by small margins. We're talking four or five trillion more dollars. We're sitting right at about $87 trillion of household net worth. It was a little under 80 at the peak in 2007. So not a shabby deal, even per capita. Now everybody's, oh God, that... All that wealth is owned by the 1%. Not true. Per capita is also at record highs. Okay? And what about all the debt problems we hear about? You, you know, the, the debt. Uh, well, get this. Debt leverage, household leverage as a percentage of those assets, is back to levels seen in 1986. Now, what about the real estate problem? Okay, remember, debt was a problem and real estate was a problem. So we got debt levels all the way back to 1986. In fact, it's even better. The percent of income associated with debt servicing in households in the United States is now one of the lowest readings on record. It even surpasses the lows of 1980. Now think about that. 
we are in far, far better shape than we perceive. What about homeowner's equity? Well, guess what? It's almost back to 2006 levels, where it was before the collapse. Not too bad at all, in my opinion. Now, look, here's the thing. In the future, four, five, six, seven, ten years from now, in the future, there's going to be a time when all that we fear today will be gone, okay? It will not exist anymore. It won't be on our radar. It will be terribly difficult to find it on a long-term chart. Let's call right now the China syndrome, okay? Remember, weeks ago it was the Greece collapse. Before that, it was bird flu, contagion. I love these words that start with C. Um, before that, it was the Ebola crisis. Okay, So these things uh, blossom, explode in our face, and then vanish. You know, it's like thinking about the Great Depression. Pull out a 100-year chart and find the Great Depression. You'll see it as a little tiny jagged edge. Or what about October 19th, 1987? That's even a smaller little tiny jagged edge. Look, we have a choice as investors. We can consistently blind ourselves with fear. I promise you, when China is found to be okay, not great, but they're not going to collapse. They'll be okay. They're not going to rule the world. That shouldn't be a problem. They were never going to rule the world. So, we can blind ourselves in this fear, or we can respect that problems, and this is important, problems are the very reason we move forward as a society. Building solutions is our history. It is our forward steps. Without problems to solve, our expansion would cease. It would end. Think about that for a second. Tomorrow morning, you wake up with problems, and I promise you, in months, that will indeed be the problem, that we don't have any more problems. We don't have anything to do. We don't have anything. We don't have a mountain to climb. We don't have a problem to solve. We don't have an issue to fix. That's what created the life we all live today, problems. And the forbearance to go through the process of fixing them, creating solutions, is our history. But here's the real kicker. We're on the verge of a, a growth wave that is more vast than many people can, can, can comprehend at this point. Generation Y is the biggest generation of all time. Whether we like it or not, they're going to start growing up in mass. Right now, they're 11 to 30 years old. And there's almost 90 million of them. Right behind them is 40 million more already of Gen Z. 130 million kids below 30. Think about that for a second. Everything that's going to drive the world for the next 50 years, those people are already alive. Between Gen Y and Gen Z, over the long haul, they're going to create economic power we can't even comprehend today. We can't even imagine. So here's the thought we have to keep in mind. As investors, 
We must think long-term. We must be focused. We must be disciplined. We must control our emotions, and we must be patient. But most important of all, we must always respect that our wealth will be created not on things that are related to what's now. Instead, we always have to focus on what's next. Hope this has brought some value to you today. Thanks for spending some time with us. Until we hear from you again, have a great day, a wonderful week. May your journey be grand and your legacy significant. Thanks again.